You're in Arizona right now, right? Arizona, yep. I am in, well, I'm just just outside of Prescott right now. Okay. Your line camp is right off the Grand Canyon, though, right? Yep. Uh, Josh and I are on the farthest north camp on the place. The, the, the Diamond A? Can I yep. see that on there? Yep. I'm down on the okay. K4 right now, but we run Camp oh, okay. 16 on the Diamond Day. Okay. And uh, the place you're on right now is the owners of the Diamond A. Is that right? Yep. Uh, Rick and Sarah Keekheffer, Um, they okay. own the Diamond Day. They have the Denny Ranch, which is a sister ranch to their ranch, which is the K4. Um, okay. And then they've got places in Oklahoma, California, Southern Arizona, uh, shoot everywhere. Um, <laughs> they've got they've got a lot going on. So you're saying that their bank account don't look like ours? No, probably not. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> got a few more digits in them, I bet. Imagine, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Well. Just for the listeners that don't know you, you are um, not even engaged yet. Josh won't pop the question, huh? No, he hasn't. He hasn't done it yet. I guess I've heard that legally we're married, but I, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> you have, have to get after him. Yeah, we're going to we're going to have another podcast and embarrass him on that one. Where oh, he's actually here. Where he's actually that. here to yeah, to defend himself a little bit at least, but yeah, <laughs> he he's right on the Mexican border right now, so he could probably go find a, a decent ring for cheap. Oh, I imagine he could just cross the border if he's allowed. Yeah. But... Um, so you grew up in Minnesota, right? Uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Okay, well, it's all the same foreign lands over there. <laughs> Quite different. I wouldn't claim Minnesota as my home state. No, I wouldn't claim it either. Wisconsin but I wouldn't claim Wisconsin bad. either. Well, no? You, you know, have you ever been, Corey? Don't you know? Don't you? Ah. <laughs> no, that's Minnesota. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Oh, I watched Charlie Barron. Does that count? I don't know. You don't know who Charlie Barron is, or you betcha? The you betcha guy? Oh, okay. Yeah. Rings a bell. Yeah. Sure. Nah. sure. Give, it, give us a time, Heather. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, anyway, I'm out okay. in the middle of nowhere. So Wisconsin's the hand state or uh, isn't that the one where you point to your palm where you're at? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mitten. Yeah, mitten. Mitten yeah. state. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay. Where were you there? Um, I was born in Central, but um, raised in Southwest, so right on, like, Southwest corner right by Iowa. Oh, that makes it even worse. <laughs> Damn my weekends. I don't claim Iowa either, but yeah, I've, I've lived in Iowa too, so. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Where at in Iowa? Uh, Allerton. Nah, I don't know where that's at, I guess, either. Yeah, kind of central-ish, kind of. Yeah, okay. Well, it's off. You probably didn't see any cornfields or anything over there, I suppose. No, no, no farming, yeah. no yeah. no cows, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> probably never seen a pair of pliers on a belt or anything. A pair of what? A pair of pliers on a belt. No, no, you don't carry vice grips around on your belt there. <laughs> Isn't that weird how different places you go? Like you come here, y'all everybody that you see has a, a belt knife, you know? Yep. And then like eastern hell, even eastern Nebraska and Iowa and all that country that you they almost have their own like a good set of pliers that take the town. Right. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah, it, I, I guess different... I don't know about that, but yeah, you're right. I've never thought about that. Yeah, it's just different country, which 
You know, I, I talk about that a lot on my TikToks, I guess. Different country, different situations, but yeah, yeah, it's a it's a whole different world over there. You never know oh. when you need a good set of ice grips, Corey. That's all I gotta say. Well, you keep them in your pickup door. <laughs> don't keep them on your belt. Like it's not gonna be that much of a dire situation. I know. Like, I, I, I can't mean, say it, I've if ever. If I have a knife on my belt and shit gets weird, then I can grab it and cut a rope or a rain or whatever. But like, I don't think there's ever gonna be a situation that I need to loosen a nut really quick. <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this bolt is way too tight. I can't walk back to my pickup and grab a wrench that fits it, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, yeah, I just, I've never been in that situation and I've also never carried one, a set of vice grips on my belt. So I just don't know the people that do, you know, I just don't know what they do with their lives, but maybe I just don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you what they do. They weld uh, a half inch, they cut a half inch wrench and a nine sixteenth wrench, and then they weld it on there, and then they have their necessities right on their belt. Sure. Yeah. Sounds sounds feasible. <laughs> it, it's a thing. I'm telling you. Huh. There's gonna be there's gonna be people from what I call out east that's gonna comment on my podcast and be like, "Hey, dickhead!" Like I have. <laughs> I have a snap-on half-inch and, and nine-sixteenths wrench welded onto my snap-on pliers, so quit being a dick. Well, right. Yeah, yeah, you're going to get called out. You might lose some followers. Probably. You know, I I would imagine if I the people that I lose over that comment are probably not going to keep tuning in anyway. <laughs> 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 oh, that's uh, funny. Anyway, so Heather... You grew up in the Mitten State. The Mitten how State. How did you, huh? Yes, sir. Uh, how did you wind up where you are now? Like, because you made it to, was South Dakota your first stop, or did, was you working for Ken before that, or how did all that work? Oh God, it's a really long story. Um, I'll try and cut it down. So I, I've been riding my whole life. Um. And I started working for uh, when my family moved to the southern part of Wisconsin. I started working for a riding barn there, um, just doing whatever I could. Uh, like, like a cutting thing or? A, uh... No, I, it was an English barn. Um, oh, okay. I, I would ride my horse a, a mile and go to work and just be around it. Um, and so I, I did that for a while, just when I was young, like middle school and, you know, really young. Sure. Um, and then, uh, I, I think I was still middle school and I got connected with a sorting trainer and cutting trainer right outside of town too. Um, and I was also working for a dairy barn so I had three jobs come high school um I would go to the riding barn like three o'clock in the morning clean stalls go to school uh get done with school go milk cows and get done with milking and go work for the trainer and then be there all weekend and stuff and I I rode Rode and started a lot of colts for him and um, got into more of the cow horse deal through him and um, did high school rodeo and cut and um, did a lot of that stuff for him. I rode rode a lot of his colts and stuff um, in exchange for using his cutting horses. And um, then that's how I... I got hooked up. I was work. I worked with a lot of different people around that area growing up, um, riding horses for a lot of people and getting help from a lot of people and using people's horses for rodeo. And, uh, when you, I don't mean to interrupt you here, but you said when you was using horses and riding horses, was that the English thing or was you in the Western side of the world by then? 
No, I uh, I really didn't write English very long, maybe a oh, year okay. or two. Um, okay. That's but just that's how that, you got started in it. Um, kind of, I guess. Yeah, kind of. I would say um, it definitely okay. was kind of towards the beginning. Um, I never, I never really. I mean, it has its place, and I enjoyed it, but at the same time, it never was really my thing. But sure. Um, but no, uh, like riding a lot of colts and green horses. And then um, there was a, a really good friend of mine. She had a lot of horses that uh, I used in high school rodeo. Um, and then as well as Charlie's, the uh, cow horse guy I worked with. Um, and they they were, they're like part of my family. They, they helped raise me and kind of mold me in the horse industry. Um, and they are who hooked me up with the college I went to, which in turn hooked me up with, uh, my first ranch job, which was in Wyoming, which was the Diamond McNabb deal. Um, sure. okay. so I went to college, got two equine degrees and then, um, through all, uh, the trainers and everything I worked for went, um, my first internship, I interned through college for a uh, working cow horse and roping trainer out of Iowa. Uh, he was the one that was in Allerton. Um, and then I went to Wyoming uh, for my second internship in college. And so, that kind of started a whole new new deal. New chapter and everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So you you were saying that you was borrowing horses for rodeo and stuff. Was your folks not into the cowboy thing or like how did that go? You, no, you just kind of branching out on your own or Yeah, my whole like my folks are like we weren't we weren't poor but we weren't rich, you know, by any means and uh they they didn't grow up around that kind of stuff. They um my grandparents did, but my parents did not. And okay. it's just something that I always wanted. And so I just kind of just went and did it myself, you know? Um, yeah. And so like bought my own horse and like built up my own deal and started riding horses for other people and that kind of stuff. Um, it was, it wasn't anything that was ever given to me. I had to work for it from day one. That's um, pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <know>? thanks. <laughs> no, uh, honestly it is. There's there's so many guys out there that they look down on people trying to get started, you know, they might have graduated uh high school and it's like I want to take on the cowboy thing and they'll get an internship or whatever. Well, they go out there and and these guys just make fun of them. Well, hell, they don't know any better. You know, it's it it's hard for them to get into it because they don't have a dad telling them what to do or you know they never had a dad beat them over the head with a split rain like don't do that like that's stupid you know you're just you're flying by the seat of your pants the whole time and it's pretty impressive when people actually um especially in your case where he was very young doing that that hey this is what i want to do and this is where i'm going to go and you did it yeah, that's very impressive to me. Well, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, it was it wasn't an easy road, uh, but my parents were very supportive, you know, sure. and uh, and I didn't have the dad slapping me with slurring, but I damn sure had my <laughs> trainers. So, <laughs> See, it, it wasn't up blood, but it it still happened, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mentors to help you out, then at least. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I shed my blood, tears, and sweat for them, and they returned the favor. Them people, they really uh, they really set me up good, and they didn't have to. You know, people, like the, the main two people that I talk about, and really there's three from back there in Wisconsin, they, they really set me up for success and put me on the right path to be successful. Yeah the way that I am because they didn't have to help me, but I, I did what I did for them and they returned the favor, you know? So. 
Well, especially a deal like that, you know, Wisconsin, Iowa, all, you know, all that, what I call Eastern country over there, there's, there's a thousand that want to barrel race and, you know, have their own breeding program and have their own stud. Like that's the, apparently that's the dream over there. And I'm sure it is here too, but to have someone come in and want to learn and apparently whatever you did impressed them because they actually taught you. And that's hard to come by, especially over there where they don't have the option of, you know, like moving cows and being on horse and doing work on a horse. Like that's strictly a, a passion. And there's a lot of girls that have it. And there's damn fruit few that actually follow through with it so that's saying a lot on your part um that someone would take you in and and teach you and and try to help you out and that's just my opinion on it i guess i don't but yeah yeah no they they're good people they they still hold dear to my heart obviously today uh yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, even Uh, even people that you know, got me, helped me get started in the leather work. I, you know, there, there'd be someone that I would ask and they might not tell me a whole lot, but then I sit there and, and talk with them for a little bit and I'm like, this kid's serious. He wants to do this. He wants to get into it. And they'd open up and they'd help me out a lot. And I, like I said, I damn sure remember the people that did that and helped me out and got me started in this deal. And it's pretty dang cool when 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 you get that. Yeah, you show up and do the work and they they the people that know what they're doing and can see it, they see they see your dedication and acknowledge it and yeah. they're not gonna shortchange you. Well, yeah. And, and I do the same thing. I you know, I'm doing these leather classes. Well cheap somebody comes in and they're mom or dad paid for the class and they're just there to do their thing and and make something and then there's the other ones that you know they sold their 4-h cow to come to this class and and they're paying their money because they want to better themselves like hell yeah i'll teach you everything that i know and by the time you you're my age you're going to be five times as good as i ever thought about being you know and i think it's a lot of the same way in in the horse world too it's like if you put your put everything into it and you're serious about it. I will teach you know about it, but there's just so many people that are half-assing it and it's like, yeah, it's cool. I want to ride my horse to school or I want to, I want to have a horse I get off of, or, you know, it's it just crap like that. And you're like, somebody comes in and they're like, no, I'm serious about horsemanship and I want to learn how to break Colts and I want to, or I should say brake colts nowadays, I guess, train horses. You know what I mean? It's just if, if you want to apply yourself, I think there's a lot of people out there that are willing to help you. But I think you're going to have to actually apply yourself because they've seen a hundred other people come in that just want the easy fix. Well, and it's be teachable is a big thing. Like, yeah. When you're when you're looking for input and when you when you want to learn and whether it's you're young or even like now our age if you're older and you want to learn if if you're not teachable then people aren't going to even try and teach you. Yeah, exactly. That's it. You know, it's all like mindset. A man, there's a guy doing something stupid and you're like, you know, you might not do that or you know explain why and ah screw you man you don't know what you're talking about you know. I've been in a wreck or two, and it's the same way with that. If you're not willing to learn, then you're not going to learn. Like, the day you quit learning is the day you die, in my opinion. Yeah, good attitude, good mindset. That's really the, really the, like, first ingredient for success, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, well, obviously, it's got you a long ways. Um. So, so after, after high school, you worked for these, uh, trainers and then you said you went to college. Where'd you go to college at? 
Uh, Blackhawk Tech in Illinois. Spent. I got. Well, she went um, further east. Well, it's south of Wisconsin, straight south. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, <laughs> straight south. I was like, yeah, I think it's like three hours from where I graduated. Straight oh, south. Okay. It's so northern how did you Illinois, get so it's a little with... better, but still, it's still east of two eighty one. Yeah. <laughs> People change after you get east of two eighty one. I'll argue with anybody about this that. Um, all the way through all the states from North Dakota all the way to Texas, east of 281. Well, I will tell you this. It's hard for me to even say that I lived in Illinois because I, I have a hard time claiming that one. I had a guy that he's over here now, but he ordered a saddle and he's from there. and He just didn't quite understand how custom work actually happens and it takes time and I threatened to throw him through my door which was a glass door <laughs> like <laughs> you just don't understand it's a whole different I don't have anything against the guy he just needed a little bit of education sure so so from Illinois you made it to uh uh, Illinois to Iowa to Illinois to Wyoming. Okay. So how how did you get hooked up with Ken then? Um one of the teachers, a really good mentor at that college, um knew Ken as an acquaintance. Um okay. and so I I didn't work under Ken personally. I worked with Ken a lot. I'm still very, very close with Ken and Dee Dee and the whole family. Um, but I worked for Diamond, which is Ken's partner. Um, oh, and Diamond okay. is in Douglas, Wyoming. And Ken's in Lovell, Wyoming. Um, so the ultimate to, cowboy thing, was that on Ken's deal or is that on Diamond? It was on Diamond. Okay. Yeah, it was at so, it was at the ranch that I worked at. Okay, so just for people that don't know who Ken McNabb is, there's probably not a lot of them, but just give a quick explanation on who who Ken is and how how you got there, I guess. And um... uh, Ken, he's a um, well, he's a lot of things to me, but he's a, basically well known as a <laughs> clinician. Um. <laughs> He, he travels yeah. the country doing clinics, um, a trainer. Uh, they put Ken and Diamond put on a big horse sale every June, the first weekend in June, um, as well as uh, every now and then in the fall, they put on a sale as well. Um, and we, I've been a part of that since 2015. So I don't know how many years that's been now, but. Um, so Ken's got a lot of irons in the fire. He runs his own ranch. Uh, he's got, it's Ken, his wife, Dee Dee, and he's got two sons, Kurt and Trent. Um, and they have their own ranch in Lovell as well, but they're in partnership okay. with Diamond. And so okay. I worked for Diamond, like, on and off five years and still ride horses for them to this day. Just a really um, good family company, really. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, Ken has I, a, he's through RB, he has a, a channel on there too. Yeah, I don't, he might not there? have that anymore. He's, oh, really? He's oh, yeah, it's anymore. been, this no, yeah, it's been a long year, time since I had that. But. It's just been, I think, a year now. Um, yeah but anyway a, a um, very well-known clinician that you went to work for for him and his family and yeah his how partner. long were you there then yeah or, yeah on and off that i was on and off five years there i i traveled a lot once i left 
um, home. I was, I, I went to Wyoming and then I, um, moved back to Iowa for a while and then back to Wyoming. And then I lived in Minnesota, worked for a cutting trainer in Minnesota for a while. And then went back to Wyoming and then I spent, um, a winter or I think it was three or four months in Tennessee at Josh Lyons place. Um, I hauled some horses all over the country for a while. I went back to Wyoming and then I moved to Oregon, um, back to Wyoming, then South Dakota, then Montana, then Arizona. Uh, Well, how, how the hell did you move from Wyoming back East though? I mean, was that hard going back East? It was, uh, <laughs> really, as everyone goes through a series of unfortunate events and a breakup <laughs> or two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, um. You just had to go back home to get your feet back under you then. Yeah, yeah. It, I, it wasn't like a chose, like, I want to go back to that part of the country. You just kind of had to, to get your shit back together then. Yeah, exactly. I, I went okay. through a, a breakup and uh, there was a cutting horse trainer in Minnesota and I was getting back on my feet, like you say, in Wyoming. So I went to Minnesota and um, and Diamond, I always like, obviously, still today I ride for them and um, they've always taken me back. I'll, I'll come for a year and I'll leave and then I'll come back and they they've um, just like I spoke before, my other mentors, Diamond's always been there for me. Sure. Um, and always taking me back. Not I always left on good terms, you know, and um so I've been to Wyoming. I Wyoming is besides Wisconsin is the place I've lived the longest. And how how long was you in South Dakota? I was in South Dakota for a year. I worked for a, oh. a really good family there for a year on their ranch. Um, and while there working is when I met Josh and he was working for a place in Montana. And okay, yeah, yeah, just but, by uh, wow, what's the closest town there, Forsyth? Uh, yeah, we live like uh, it was probably 10 miles outside of Forsyth. Okay, yeah. So, uh, just to break down on this Josh character, he seems like a real asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the time of day, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Josh is the hell of a good friend. I think I don't know if I knew. Yeah, I did know Josh before I knew you, I guess. I think, um, well, yeah, I had made an order from you. Probably, maybe oh, before you yeah. knew Josh. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was like, gosh, when was that? 2000. Dude, uh, I don't even know, Corey. I don't 18 or 19, probably something like that. I don't know. But it yeah, was... I, was still a, I was still an O'Neill and, and this this damn girl, she wanted a, a Poland collar, but she wanted to match her damn saddle. So yeah. I'd mix up dye and all sorts of crazy shit. And... <laughs> Uh, I know what I never, like. You never even you never even texted me after that. I thought we was friends. <laughs> yeah, yep. Until I showed up in your shop with Josh, and you're like, "Wait, who are you?" <laughs> yeah, that was man. I get that a lot. I went to the well. Shit, you guys was there at the uh, Bronx for breakfast deal. Yeah, a few years ago. Gosh, that was. You know, and that that's right in the center of the country that I've been kind of running around. And I got people from Nebraska and Wyoming and South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana, all over the country coming there for that deal. Man, every time I turned around, I'd seen somebody that I knew. But there's a lot of people that I had no idea who they were, but they knew me from buying something or, you know, whatever. It's like that was pretty dang humbling for me. Oh yeah, you're following on uh, like social media and stuff. Like you, you might not necessarily see faces, but there's a lot of people that know what yeah. you do. Or yeah, that it was kind of deal. Well, even going to the Sheridan Leather Show, there's a lot of guys that came up and 
and knew who I was and what I was doing. I was like, man, I, you know, I just, I'm nobody in my opinion, but there's a lot of people that actually know who I am, I guess. So that's pretty dang cool. Definitely. So anyway, this Josh character, he's pretty damn good bronc rider. Yeah, that's how we met. He was uh, riding bronc for that uh, Tuke Memorial uh, video or movie. Yeah, that's where I met him too, actually. You was there? Yeah, because that, so, (laughs) uh, that shoot deal in Ekalaka, I was living in Buffalo, South Dakota at the time. Uh, him you came and, up to sniff around all the bronc riders, huh? No, I didn't go anywhere. He came to Buffalo to party oh. for Labor Day weekend. Oh, I see. So, uh, yeah, one of our mutual friends introduced us. And, um, yeah. What an asshole. He never invited me or anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I Shit, I'd probably be married by now if he'd invited me. I'd have found some good-looking squaw over there. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Missed opportunities. I think you know a lot of the people that live around there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Sterling Brown, he's the one that uh, introduced us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had a good old time at Sterling's wedding. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I'm sure glad we came up for that. Oh man, Jesse Bale, that guy, he likes to party. <laughs> He's a good guy. Oh man, we had a good old time. <laughs> Kenny Fiddler band. Oh yeah, we had a good time with them guys. It was it was just a good time all around. Yeah, in a little yeah. small town that if, if nobody's been to Camp Crook, it's a What's there, 100 people there? Shoot, that might be stretching it, but sure. Yeah, I, there's, there's a community center and a bar, and I honestly thought that the bar was condemned. Well, there's two bars, but... Yeah, well, the one that I was looking at, I thought it was condemned, but it was... <laughs> it was. It was for the first part of the day, and then after the dance, somebody came and opened it up, apparently, but... Yeah, anyway, it was it was a heck of a good time. But yeah. Yep. Yeah, I lived there for a year. Uh him and Sterling and some people came to celebrate Labor Day and that's where we met and then uh I think it was two or three months later I moved to Montana, believe it or not. So that was my next question: Is how you how you ended up in Montana? Obviously, yeah, boy that, problems is how you got there. Yeah, that crazy guy. Yeah, I I don't know. I I would live in either Wyoming or Montana again, so it wasn't yeah. a bad move. <laughs> and I kind of like that guy. So yeah, I I mean he's a dickhead, but he's a good dickhead. <laughs> you said it, it on me. Yeah, we're going to get him on here again with both of you so he can defend himself. But right now, I'm going to take all the advantages I have. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, how long was you in Montana then? We were in Montana. Shoot, I think I was there two years. And he grew up and lived there. But the place that we were working on, I think he was there two and a half. And yeah. I was there two. <laughs> But he grew up like way western Montana. It's almost not even the same state. Yeah, he grew up. His parents are in Gallatin Gateway, um, and but he's kind of lived all over Montana, working and yeah. stuff. Okay. Um. So you moved to Arizona. Yep. Yeah, we moved to Arizona. We're just over a year ago now. And you're at the Diamond A, right? The Diamond A, yes, sir. Okay, what camp? We're at Camp 16. Oh, yeah. All right, so you told me, or I don't remember, we was talking about, maybe it was at Sterling's wedding, but you was talking about um, uh, the mail going down into 
uh, the Grand Canyon, right? With the jars or something? Yeah, so uh, our address um, is literally, like, technically our address is Supai, and Supai is a village in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Um, And so my parents shipped me some china glasses from my grandma uh, from Wisconsin, but they shipped it to our Supai address instead of our mailing address. And to get down into Supai is like a 15 mile hike on foot or on pack horses. And um, so they packed or they strapped these China wine glasses and champagne glasses and all this stuff uh, onto these mules and packed them down into the Grand Canyon. And I am not sure how often they got the supai shut down because of COVID still. But mm. um, I think, I don't know, maybe once a week or something, uh, they pack out. And so it was probably three months later, they finally packed these glasses back out. And I got my boxes that you could see the rope straps from being on these pack mules and there was not a single glass broken <laughs> in them yeah. boxes. But yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty neat. Our, our North fence. So like I said, we're on the like farthest North that you can get on the diamond day. Um, and basically our North fence, it, we're surrounded by a reservation, but, um, is the canyon. Um, there's a canyon called the Cataract Canyon that shoots off of the Grand Canyon that um, kind of surrounds our neighboring camp, which is Camp 5, um, where a good friend of ours lives. Um, and uh, so we're, we're kind of surrounded by that, which then runs into the Babbitt Ranch and um, back down south to Diamond A and the Denny and then the K4, which is also there's the ROs and the Double O and the Yavapai Ranch is all kind of right here in this area. And so, like, there's probably a lot of people that don't know anything about those ranches. I mean, the back, uh, historical ranch, obviously, but so. Just out of curiosity, okay, so you go to gather a pasture. Uh, we're going to gather this. It's like a week ordeal, though, right? But yeah, depend- uh, at least, yeah, depending on the pasture. Um, Josh is better with numbers, remembering numbers and stuff. But we've gathered, so the largest pasture on the place um, is down at the main camp called Pika. Like, it's kind of headquarters on Diamond Day. Um, and the largest pasture is part of Pika camp. And we gathered on that for a couple weeks into the trap. And then we pushed them in two different drives up the Canyon to our country and the North country. Um, and we didn't clean it. Like 20, 30 sections probably though. Right. Like it's a. Oh no, it's far more than that. We're, yeah, even. yeah, yeah. Thirty sections is like, kind of like a. I'm if I'm remembering Trap. numbers right, and like I say, <laughs> I'm I'm bad with numbers, but if I'm remembering numbers right, thirty sections. You're you're talking kind of an average, pasture, on this place. Yeah. Wait, like we. What's we your could, horse pasture like? You, you go to gather your horses out in the morning. Like, how big is that pasture? Like ten sections. We don't gather them in the morning. We gather them the night before because you won't get them in the morning. <laughs> we leave, we're leaving, you know, three o'clock in the morning. We've got at least an hour drive, no matter where we're going. Um, sure. But yeah, it's, I would guess our horse pasture is probably 12 sections or 10. Yeah. Um, yeah, we could talk more numbers when we've got Josh on here because he, he remembers yeah, all no, that stuff. It's... I'm just trying to give uh, a little bit of a idea of what you guys are doing out there, I guess. And 
you know, it, uh, a lot of parts of the country, a section pastor, I mean, that's huge. Uh, yeah. two section pastor that's unheard of you know and like there you get oh six eight six eight sections that's about that's about average for a lot of these pastors out here i guess but um but what we can ask josh too i guess but you you probably don't know how many cows to the acre out there it's probably like 100 acres to the pair or something ain't it might be more than I think even. it's a, I think it's more I think it's hundred to a dry cow. I think is what to a dry cow what, even. Okay. I I yeah. think and like I say, don't quote me on that, but the it kinda differs a lot though, you know, because like the country here is pretty rocky. Um, but the type of rock and the type of country changes just between like like our north country is really rocky, you know, we're in the canyons and um a lot of that stuff, but even pika is a lot of sand. It's more in like a a flat and then you get on the Denny, which is just across Route 66 and it's a total different type of rock and total different type of grass. Um uh. so you can some of this grass you can run more cows on than a guy would think. Oh yeah, Just it's, it's of, definitely it's a hard harder grass. grass. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what people, you know, I'm in southeastern Montana and and people look out here, well shit, there ain't nothing there. These cows do better here than they do in belly deep grass, honestly. It's just a better well, grass and they utilize way more of it. And it's just it's a different, different country, and it's different grasses, and and yeah, I I can't preach it enough. Different country is different, um, not outcomes even. It's just different approaches to things. Well, yeah, yeah. Even like, as surprising as it is, them cows like in that Forsyth and Mile City area on that gumbo. They they do a lot better on a lot less than a guy would think too. You know, it's oh yeah, like you say, yep. it's a different kind of grass. But to see that grass compared to like this Arizona grass, like it took a minute to like really see the grass. And then they've got you know the different weeds and the different types of yeah. grass down here that cows utilize. Um, yeah, that you wouldn't think, and but shoot. Like the when we moved down here and everyone was in that drought up there, uh, we had a lot of cows come in from Montana and South Dakota and Oregon and stuff like that that were skin and bones and they come down here and it took them a minute but they they really picked up and they're plumb fat now you know so no kidding it's that's interesting yeah. Yeah, there was cows we were unloading off trucks that from uh, that north country up there that we get down yeah. here and like I say it took a minute but once they once they got it it was it's impressive to see them now you know we've got a lot of oh. fall calvers out of those and stuff to see them the way that they've picked up from the way they unloaded off them trucks which has been it a year a ago now yeah, it did. Um, but yeah, they they look good now. I think that's a lot of it. But yeah, yeah. There, there's I don't. Now I've cruised through New Mexico and stuff like that through the military stuff, and I was staying in Clovis there for a while. I was like, man, there ain't nothing here but prairie dogs. <laughs> but but then we get to driving, and and them cows look pretty damn good, and. Like I said, it might be a hundred acres to a cow, but the ones that are there, they look pretty damn good. And the deer and the antelope, all that stuff, you know, they're surviving and look pretty dang good. It's just a different grass. It's a harder grass. And they do better on it. Yeah. And that came from yep. sand hills, you know. And I mean, he was in Buffalo, which is a lot the same. Um, but they'd be belly deep in grass and 
not doing worth a crap. Well, it's it's a different grass. It's a washy grass. They just they can't utilize that grass near as good as they can that hard grass and different nutrients and uh, there's there's a million things involved with that. But um, right. So so getting on the Diamond A or I mean any any of the places that you work, what are some of the things that you found? um discouraging or like did anybody not take you seriously being a female or you know stuff like that um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i could go into a whole spiel on that but uh you know like hiring on like hiring on just a female um can be a different story there's a lot of places that won't hire females not only because they don't want a female, maybe they would hire a female, but uh, maybe they can't trust their man crew or maybe they don't <laughs> have a good living situation for a single female. Yeah. Um, hiring on as a dating couple, like n- a non-married couple, can be hard. There's a lot of places that won't hire a dating couple. They won't hire a couple unless you're married. Um, and it's, it's starting to get better, you know, or we're in the 20th century and people are more okay with it, but, um, it's, there's not, there's still in this deal, which I, I understand it because like that place I hired on in Oregon, I hired on with an ex of mine and we didn't work out and split up and it's not easy for the ranch to operate with people like that so yeah um i know why um but at the same time when yeah anyway so dating couple it can be hard to find a job if you're not married um but there are places that'll do it and there's a lot of places experiencing down here in the south like i've got a good friend that lives in oklahoma and she's like I go to a branding and I get told to sit on the fence. You know, I'm not even allowed to sit on a horse or help or anything. Um, And down here, obviously where I'm at, it's not like that at all. There's a lot of women I know that work around in this area. And I don't know much about Oklahoma, but I just know where where she's around, you know. Um, But anyway, like being hired on as a couple, like, He's automatically offered, you know, the camp man job. He's the camp man. And I'm second to that, which is fine um, until you consider pay or until (laughs) you consider the fact that I'm doing the exact same work that he is right alongside of him, Um, which can be frustrating being a female. I don't need him to have this job. I'm with him and I have this job. So that can be frustrating. Um, But this place, like I say, there's other women that work on this place. They appreciate women. They they hired a camp girl for the Denny just recently. There's a girl running her own camp and stuff like that. So they're not, you know, uh, whatever the word is. But... um, Sexist. Yeah, it's just... It can be frustrating for me sometimes. But because... I, I think it I think it's really hard for um in the newer generation, it depends on how old your boss is, I'm sure, I guess, but um it, it's so hard like for me, uh I was well I, I was married, but for her to get a gate, I I wouldn't let her get a gate. I, I'd always go run ahead and get the gate or you know, whatever the case may be. But that's just beat into your head since you was a little kid that, you know, the girl don't get the gate or you open the door or, you know, whatever the case may be. Well, that goes back a long ways. And if you're on a ranch, it's the same way. It's it's the exact same reason that the military don't want women in the infantry. It's because it's a man's natural instinct to take care of the woman first, you Uh know. 
Yeah, that that is 150% true. You know, there's, like, I, I can't tell you how many times, like, guys will go out of their way to do something because it's, you know, like you say, it's just what what yeah. they feel like they should do. And I don't take offense to that at all, not by any means. Yeah. But I do feel bad sometimes that men that work with me feel like they need to do that for me because if I wasn't capable, I wouldn't do this job. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I don't mind it. I don't take offense to it um, by any means. I know they're just doing what they feel like. And there's so our, our good friend that works down here, he's been a cowboy in this area his whole life. Um, he's worked for Babbitt's. He's got family that still work on Babbitt's. He's worked for Diamond A on and off his whole life. He's He's been at the Yavapai. He's been everywhere. And him and I got to talking one day. And um, he's like, you know, I've, I haven't worked with that many women. Like, I've got a wife that I worked with, which they have kids now. So she's not working now. But um, him and her used to work together. But he's like, growing up, I hated it. I hated working with women because, like... <laughs> You know, they got to use the bathroom. So you like yeah. got to turn your back and it's awkward. Yeah. And like, then you got to feel like you got to get the gate and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he's like, but now after working with my wife and now I've been working with you, like, it's just like, if the women are working with you, you just treat them like they're working with you and yeah. don't, don't overdo yourself to try and help them because if they, right. If they weren't capable, they wouldn't be out there with you. And they, they want to be. And, you know, and I'm not too proud. Like, if I can't do something, like, physically, I'll, I will ask for help. Um, like, you know, I'm not a big person. I'm not, I'm not little, but I'm not big. And so, like, if there's something I can't do or if there's something I'm not capable of, I'm not too proud. But yeah. I would expect that of a man, too. So, uh, I won't do that. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, I would, I'm not too proud. I, I don't care. Yeah, I, as a man, like if I get stuck, it's a pride thing. Like if I get stuck, I will be stuck to where when you come and pick me up, you're gonna be like, "How? Like, <laughs> how did you even do that?" Like, well, I didn't say I wouldn't do that, know? but I, <laughs> I'm just meaning like terms of efficiency, like. Yeah. We ride up to a gate that's full of stays, and I'm like, yeah, I can't get that. I might let you get the gate. But if we ride up to a gate and I know I can get it, and you're like, don't worry, Heather, I'll get it. I bet I will beat you off your horse because yeah. I'm going to get the damn gate. Yeah. Well, and, and people have to let the, the women do that to be part of the crew, too. And that's what I think it's hard for like I said, it, it just beat into your head since you're a little kid that, you know, girls don't get the gate, girls don't get the door, you know, it, it's beat into your head, but now you're part of the crew and you gotta be like, you know what? If you don't like fart jokes, ride behind a little further because you're part of the crew now. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> well, and it, it goes both ways, you know, our crew that we work with, they're just great, you know, like, we have a new guy come in or like we get help from one of the other crews on the place. And like, I've got, I've got to use the bathroom and my crew just knows my crew, but the crew I work with just knows like Heather turns around, rides behind the drive. Y'all just keep <laughs> riding. Yeah. And the new guys are like, where's she going? Does she need help? And everyone's like, no, she doesn't need help. <laughs> just leave her alone. Leave yeah. her alone. Yeah. You know? It's, it goes both ways, you know. It does. And... Well, that's like in a branding, you know. I don't know how many times I've said it. It's like, I love women and children helping out. I think it's great. But when you got to take a piss, it's kind of irritating because you don't know where to go. I mean, you literally have to get in the trailer because <laughs> there's women and kids running everywhere. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it is not a bad thing at all. It's just, you, you're just so used to, you know, you got to take a leak, go in the corner and take a leak. There's there no, no consequences. Well, you go to a brand and you got women and kids and everybody running around. You're like, 
can't go here, he can't go here, and you, I mean, for me to understand, but that's what women have to go through every day. It's yeah, yep, it's so true. But yeah, I don't know. Good crew knows it. A good crew works with it. Like like Heath has told me, or I just said his name, but a good friend of ours. Uh, he he hated it at first, but the more he got around him, he's like, well, if you know you can count on them, if they prove themselves just like any other guy on the crew, then what does it matter? You know, uh, yeah. just like any place, though. You know, like, usually a, a female on the crew, they have to be twice the hand as a man, and usually when you see a handy female she is freaking smoking handy because she had to go through that yeah you she can't be like, twice the hand as any guy that she worked with you know it, uh, yeah you, you've got to prove yourself but that goes for anyone you know a guy shows up and doesn't prove himself he's gonna fall under the radar too it, it goes for everyone and I agree. Women do have to work sometimes harder at it, you know, like physically sometimes, oh, yeah. not always, but sometimes physically we're less capable or whatever it is. Uh, and so we, we do have to work harder. And I think like going back to pay where it's like, okay, so I'm doing the same job everyone else on the crew is doing, but I have to do work twice as hard physically to do it. Why yeah. am I not getting paid the same? Which I'm, I'm not like I'm not saying about this place. I'm just saying in general, you know, sometimes yeah. women aren't same, and it's like, well, and not that you should pay women more. I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying, uh, they they do they have to work hard just like the men do. Yeah. Well, when I when and I hire they, someone day working. I expect them to get the job done and I don't care if they're 70 years old or 20 years old. When I, when I call them and I need a job done, I need a job done. And you know, maybe a 70 year old guy go out there and rope one and trip him or, or tie him up or whatever he's going to do. And he gets the job done. And then the, you know, the 20 year old dicks off and, and, and is on TikTok, TikTok or whatever. Like, <laughs> That seven-year-old guy is worth more to me because he's getting something done. And it's the same way with the boys and girls or, you know, it, you have to prove yourself, but at the same time, um, you're still in that, you, you're still, you're still being judged by your peers, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No matter where you go, like I said yeah. earlier, you got to prove yourself and, yeah. um, Again, I say if if we didn't want to be there and go through the pain and suffering that everyone else is going through, we wouldn't. So yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and and I think like well, you and Callie—that's another good one that like super freaking handy. But it, it's just very hard to get a job somewhere because you are a female. Yeah, yeah, I. It, it is, uh, I mean, if you want to break down, like, everything that goes into what a person takes a job for, man or woman, um, but there are more jobs available to women like myself and Callie and other girls I could think of off the top of my head that are more equine-based versus ranch. Yeah, yeah um, the, the ranch thing. Honestly, I think that all goes back to most ranchers are probably on average 70, 80 years old by now. And guess what they was taught from day one? Same thing. Like women don't get gates, women don't get the the door, you know, it, it's all courtesy. And that's how they was brought up, which is great. But for the girl trying to get an internship or get a job or whatever, and like, well, I don't want to be out there opening gates for her all the time. 
Well, yeah, and that's true, but there's also, yeah, there's a whole other side to that as well. Yeah. Hey, I tell you what, uh, I'm trying to keep these things to an hour, and we're right at it. Holy cow. Yeah, I know you talk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you be willing to do another one here? And I'll, I'll give you a call back here in a little bit. Sure means we're on the subject of women that's kind of the point that i was uh working towards was women in this industry and stuff like that if you want to do another one i'll do one with you and the listeners can follow to the next one sure all right sounds good i'll talk to you in a minute adios <laughs>